let's go through these questions. We've got about 15 more minutes to go through this. Um, Zach, let's start with you. Zach, these are some questions about evangelism from people um, in this youth group. One is, what do I do if I'm not a good public speaker? And I'm just going to let you guys answer these questions. All right. If you're not a very good public speaker, a um, little hard for me to relate because I love public speaking. But um, if you're not, then kind of keep it simple. Like, if you don't want to be public about it and be, you know, like in big groups, like, you know, like, oh, like, you guys should hear this, you know, maybe pick out like one friend that like, you know, you can talk to really easily that, you know, is not a Christian that's struggling and continue to focus on them. And just like in a simple setting, just you and that person, instead of being in a more public speaking atmosphere. It's awesome, dude. Okay, I'm looking at these questions. You can pass it to Trevor now. I'm looking at these questions. I'm realizing they're not all related to evangelism, but we're just going to go through them. This will be fun. Q&A. Some of it's kind of random. Um, I don't know if this is a joke or not. How do you share your faith when you don't have faith? P.S. I have faith. <laughs> How do you share your faith when you don't have faith? P.S. I got faith. Okay, if, if you want to share your faith, but you don't have faith, then I just think you got to not share your faith, man. you don't have any faith. Because <laughs> you don't like have any Johnny has no apples. How does he share his apples? Have you ever asked, like, Siri, what zero divided by zero is? This is the same dang thing. <laughs> what would you, well, what would you say to somebody, like, to, you know, maybe the person who asked the question is here in the room, but they're saying they do have faith. Okay, so if anyone here in the room doesn't have faith, do we have any, like, what, what do you say Raise to Raise your hand if you don't have yeah, faith, guys. Is, you got no faith. Um, okay, maybe they're saying, I have faith, but I don't have faith that I can do it. Oh, yeah. Okay, what do you think on that? Um, <laughs> you got nothing? She just spilled her coffee. Oh. <laughs> it's humorous. It it's like slipping on a banana peel. Uh, it's funny. I actually, uh, <clears throat> I struggle with this because I actually have never shared my faith or the gospel You're gonna with know. anybody because I'm so to. scared. I know you can do it. So, I don't know. How, how, what would you say to me? Because I don't know. I'm okay. Anyone else want to take it? Something encouraging to give people faith who don't have faith about uh, sharing the word, sharing their faith with people. Um, I'd say just like find a way to tell them like, you know, it, like you want hope, like you want happiness, you want love and acceptance. Like, you know, Jesus is where you're going to find all of that. Just find a way to get that point across. Um, and like back to the previous question where like if you're not a public speaker you can like remain conversational about it like you don't have to have that speaker's voice you don't have to be like you know Billy Graham but you can remain conversational and you can get the point across like just as easily it's awesome totally agree and yeah Zach you had something to add okay go for it and then we got to go to the next question also like if you don't like have faith in yourself like have faith in God like mm. we can't do that on our own like Solid. we can't you know, tell people about that and be life-changing by ourselves. Like, have your faith in Christ before you go into it and rely on his strength, not your own. Yeah, totally. Just like David, he was only able to defeat Goliath through God's strength, you know, in the same way. So, um, 
when we share our faith, we need to remember the Bible says it's not our responsibility to save people. If you go out and you share your faith, if you sit down with your friend, you talk to them about Jesus, and they totally are like, you're lame, and they walk away, don't feel like you failed. We only fail if we don't share our faith. That's when we fail. That's when we're failing is if we're not sharing our faith. If you do share and people reject you, you have no idea. Even though they rejected you and walked away from you, you planted a seed in their heart that the Bible says that God is going to be watering and growing in his time. So it's awesome. Um, I'm going to pass it to Brooklyn and give you the next one. Real, real quick. Yeah. Spencer's asleep over there, and I really want to wake him up. Oh, it's fine. He's probably had a long weekend. I just let's let's like not let's scream not scream into the microphone. Hey, pass it to Brooklyn. Really you can wake him up later. Um, tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Good or bad? Really? <laughs> That's really the next one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, I don't think they're bad. I think it. What you what the tattoo is maybe. Yeah. What? Yeah. And also like. If you're still living with your parents, you need to check with them first. Unless it's a tattoo of your parents, then they'll be cool with it. Um, <laughs> but I don't. It's like I don't of their faces on your neck. I don't think there's anything wrong with tattoos. What's that? I don't think there's anything wrong with tattoos. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in the Bible, there's a verse that says, "Do not mark your body with piercings or with anything," and it's really this um, story that dates back to Abraham's day when God was trying to really make sure that the Jews and the Israelites were separate from the Canaanites and like the other people who were there, the other tribes. God was saying, don't do anything like them. Like you're my people, be set apart, don't dress like them, don't do what they do, like don't get their tattoos or ear piercings. But we can look at that and we can take it too far and be like, oh, well then that means all Christians. Um, that's an Old Testament thing in a certain context for a certain time. Um, but, I mean, nowadays, I've seen so many Christians with just, like, rad tattoos that glorify the Lord. And it's actually pretty, it's pretty cool to, like, take God's word and, like, put it, like, somewhere where everyone can see it and make it a part of your, yourself. That's, that's, that's pretty rad. Tony, do you got something? Yeah, I know. I'm trying to fix it. You know what? That works. I'm cool with that. Um, okay. So, Allie Rose. Wait, can I have another question? You want another one? Yeah, okay. One Why is the Bible so hard to understand? None of us got two questions. Why is the Bible so hard to understand? Um, you want to phone a friend? <laughs> yeah. um, Have you ever felt like the Bible was hard to understand when you were younger, when yeah. you were older? Yeah. You know, what, why, why do you feel like it is sometimes? Well, um, You beautiful person. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. Aww. I've been wanting to say it all, all day. Um, What do you think? Why is the Bible so hard to understand? If the Bible's hard for you, uh, is it, if it's difficult for you to understand, I would recommend a devotional that sort of breaks it down. Um, or Haley's Handbook. Is that what it's called? What? Haley's Handbook? Haley. I don't it's, know what that is. It's, I'm, <laughs> is it? Did I say it wrong? Is that like the Farmer's Almanac? <laughs> It's a commentary. Oh, yeah. So you look up a oh. verse that you don't understand, and it sort of just that's right in my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, it breaks it down, um, like what it means, like what, what's the background on the verse, why is it saying that. So if it's difficult, like if you're reading the Bible and you're like, this is just over my head, you can look it up. And you can ask 
ask a friend and mm. ask your parents because if you have Christian parents, they probably would love it if you asked them yeah. questions about the Bible. It's awesome. Any uh, you guys have any thoughts on that, or do you want to go to the next one, Trevor? Yeah, what do you think? A reason it is confusing a lot of the times for me is because it was written so long ago, and mm. it like uses analogies that would have been relevant to people back then. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're not a fisherman, you're not going to understand like fisherman analogies right. because like that's not your livelihood. So we're not farmers in yeah. Mesopotamia, so we wouldn't understand. We are definitely not farmers in Mesopotamia. <laughs> be pretty cool if we were though no despite popular belief i'm not a farmer in ancient mesopotamia um i just want to say really quick on this um first of all be gone okay there we go um just makes sense you'd be able to point it from here that's my biggest pet peeve is when technology doesn't work it makes me want to throw things um anyway i'm not i'm not gonna because i could if i threw something i would only really hit you or hit you guys there's really yeah, anywhere I'd throw it, I'd hit somebody. Um, so the Bible can be really hard to understand. When I was a kid, I read it as just a bunch of disconnected stories. Like, I was like, oh, you know, Psalms are about, like, wisdom, and there's, like, some historical books, and Genesis is about creation, Revelation is about the end of the world. It was all disconnected. One of the things, and I don't know if all you guys were here for it, but we did a whole series on this a couple months ago in the summer, um, but the Bible is all one story, and it's all about Jesus. Um, like, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is all connected. Um, I read Isaiah for my devotions the other day, and I found so much in it that points to Jesus. Really, anywhere you look. So I would just say, if the Bible's hard to understand, just keep in mind that it's God's story about how he lost his family and how he won his family back through Jesus Christ and now what his family is doing. And now we're in that part of the story. Um, but if any of you guys feel like the Bible is hard to understand, please like come and ask me or Brooklyn or somebody about it because we love talking about the Bible. Um, it's not embarrassing to it. Does anyone just want to admit that sometimes the Bible is hard to understand? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. So if you struggle with trying to figure out what you're reading in your devotions or like how it applies to your life or anything, like please just like let me know because I would seriously sit down with you for like 10 minutes. You're like, that's too long. That's overkill. Okay, we'll do two minutes, whatever. Whatever works for you in your schedule. But we'll sit down and let's talk about like what the Bible is about, and I'm excited about that. So, okay, the next question is, who wants to take this one, Zach? Trevor, okay. Actually, let's really quick, lightning round. Um, it is, what book of the Bible should I read for my devotions? So, really quick, everybody, favorite book of the Bible and why in like, you know, 30 seconds. Zach. Each one of us 30 seconds? Or yes. All right, uh, I'd probably say James, because James has a lot of stuff. <laughs> James has a lot of amazing verses that can really relate to a lot of people's lives with trials and having faith in those trials and going through storms, like James 1, 2 through 3. Booyah. Mm. I'd get that tattooed on, like, my face. It's mm. awesome. Um, it kind of boils down to either Acts or Romans for me, like, cool. right now. Um, probably because... Um, I like, I think I'm just going to talk about Acts. I like Acts um, because for me it's awesome to see like how the disciples um, continued the work that Jesus started even mm. after he had ascended into heaven and he wasn't yes. with them anymore. And um, 
it occasionally is actually like really funny to see how dis- the disciples handle things. Yes, it's always funny. <laughs> it's awesome. Disciples are so human. I love it. Okay, Brooklyn. Um, I was going to say James as well, but um, another one I really like is Philippians because pretty much the whole book is about joy. Mm. And if you think about Paul, how he was writing it while he was in prison and how he has joy, um, I just it's really encouraging and also convicting because... I'm not in prison, and sometimes I don't have joy. Mm, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Love that. Mm. No? I don't know. Think of one book of the Bible you like. Songs of Solomon. You can't think of one? I am telling your mom. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't think of one Bible book that you like, I'm telling your mom. What else was going to say? What? Leviticus. I got, think about it for a second. I, I got one. I'll let you have a second to think. Okay, no pressure. Thank. Um, I like any of the Gospels because it's the story of Jesus. Uh, the Gospel of John, you see Jesus as like this human servant, but also God in Matthew. Like, oh my gosh, the Gospel of Matthew is like all about God's kingdom and how Jesus is king and what life in his kingdom looks like. Like, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, one of the best ways you can start Like, if you have been a nominal Christian who kind of just goes to church and reads your Bible every once in a while, but you're like, I want to step it up to the next level, I want to be a disciple, I want to be a follower, read a gospel, look at what Jesus does, look at all the stupid things his disciples do, like uh, Trevor was saying, the disciples are so human, they're just like us, they mess up, look at how Jesus responds to those failures and helps his disciples walk, like, it's just so good, I, I love it, just read a gospel. Okay, Allie Rose. Ephesians. Yes, I love Ephesians too. Because isn't it like it's it's like six chapters? Yeah. Right. Right. <clears throat> so that one you can just like bust out in a week and just be like, <laughs> that was really good, and then go back over it and just be like that was awesome again. I've done that a couple times. So just chew on it and then puke it up and then eat it again. It's awesome. Like a cow. Okay. Like I, a cow. I have one more question. It's the hardest question. Who wants to volunteer for it? Anybody? We kind of want to hear it first. Why do bad things happen to good people? For instance, World War II, the stuff that just happened in Paris, etc. Why do good things happen to bad people? And then we got to go. Why do bad things happen to good people? Sorry. Well, like, for us, um, every trial is like, you know, it's kind of parallel to how a blacksmith makes... Um, something out of metal he has to put it in fire yes um, to make it weaker so he can hammer it into place and make it into something better Mm. that's kind of what happens with us like we're going through um, trials and just really hard stuff in our life and it will like beat down on it on us and it will make us weaker Mm. but um, it's God's way of shaping us into something better it's awesome then yep okay um I was listening to a Bible study and they were saying like um, whenever you like if like you have friends and they do like like really sinful things all the time and like you're like why do they get away with it God never punishes them like God punishes us because he loves us and he wants us to learn not saying like if you had a bad day God's punishing you it's just saying Sometimes God will put you through a trial because you did something wrong and there will be consequences. Um, Totally. So God loves you, so he wants you to do better. Cool. And then, Zach, you look 
You look like you're ready to grab a microphone and start going for it. So what do you got? It's kind of like I, that's not what the person's asking. Yeah, it's like those are good answers. Um, like those it's are good answers. Talking for on a global scale. Why do Christians go through trials? That's really, really good answers from you guys on that. So yeah. then on the big scale, like, you know, maybe not necessarily they're all Christians. I said I slurred that word so hard. Um, maybe they're not necessarily all Christians, but like, you know, the people of England, the people, uh, the good, some of the good people of Germany, the people of America, the people of Paris, like World War II, these bombings that just happened. Why do these things happen? Well, I asked the question. That was your question? That was my question. So I'm like, that's you're going to answer your own question? No, I was trying to rephrase the question to get the other an to get another answer. I'm, oh. I'm asking on a global scale, why does God allow that to happen? Okay, I'll end with the answer in this because it's a good question. I feel pretty confident I've got the answer to this. Um, the reason that bad things happen in God's good world, because remember, the world was intended to be good, right? God creates the world. What does he say? And it was, it was good. God never intended for war, violence, um, sickness, disease. Like God never intended all these things to happen. When Adam and Eve introduced sin into the world and into the timeline, um, that's a really geeky way of saying it, but like when that came in to God's good world, it corrupted it. And now, bad things happen. Sometimes the bad things that happen are a direct result of fallen people. Like Hitler is a fallen sinful man. So he goes and he tries to kill the Jews and a bunch of other people uh, in Paris. Fallen, wicked people do acts of terrorism because they're sinful and they have sin in their heart and they're trying to make some sort of statement and they're doing it through violence. It's, it's sin, it's corruption. Sometimes um, a natural disaster happens, an earthquake or a tornado or a fire or something happens and it's a direct result of the fallen world because when sin entered the world, it didn't only corrupt people, but it corrupted the earth. Like it, it corrupted everything. And so now literally people and nature is out to kill us. Um, the world is slowly destroying itself because of sin. But what the Bible promises is that Jesus will one day come and he will renew everything. He will come to the earth again. It's called the second coming of Jesus. And he will take everything about this world that is broken and he'll cre completely remake it and renew it and get rid of everything that's hurtful and wrong and replace it with only things that are heavenly and good. And it's going to it's gonna make this world what it was meant to be. Um, it's gonna be a whole new world, whole new heaven, it's gonna be awesome. Yes? Do you wanna come up and grab a mic? Okay. <laughs> the what? Hmm. It's okay, I can hear her. I got it. I, I can hear her. Yeah. Totally. So I don't, I don't always think that every time an earthquake happens, every time a fire happens, that it's God, like, attacking people for their sin. There's some pastors who say that. They're like, well, that, that town had an earthquake because there's a ton of people over there who are doing bad things like um they'll say that i mean honestly if that's the case then all of us should be on fire right now and having earthquakes happen to us because we're all pretty equally sinful um 
But what she's saying is great because what it's saying is every time there's evil in the world, God is always working for good. So every time we see an earthquake or a flood or Paris is in flames because of these terrorist attacks, God is looking at that and saying, that is an opportunity for me to step in, for my people, my fellow Christians to step in and reach people, draw people to Jesus, help people to see their need. Like when your town is on fire because of a terrorist attack, you're going to be looking for some hope. Um, and so that's when God is able to really step in and show people, even though Satan is working to make things broken, I am going to make things whole. Um, and if you want to know how you can help, you can honestly, like, really pray. Like, not just change your profile picture to a couple colors, but you can actually take time to pray for people who are going through things that are hard. Um, you can pray for the people in Paris. You can pray for the persecuted church in China. You can pray for people um, in Iran and Syria who are being tortured right now. You can take time to pray, and you might think, oh, that's worthless. Like, what's one prayer from little me going to do anything? Um, there's a great quote by somebody, I think C.S. Lewis, that says, we don't pray uh, to change God's mind. We pray to have God change our hearts. And when you spend time with God and you pray, it does affect what he does, and it also changes your heart to make you more like him, which then equips you to be able to go out into the world and serve people and make change and help people who are hurting. Does that make sense? Yeah? Cool. All right, do you guys enjoy this, hearing from these guys? Yeah? Cool, let's give him a hand. Thank you for being up here. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Well, actually, we'll be at camp. But if you're not going to camp, still come here because there will still be a high school service. So, peace. Can we pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? Good work. Can we pray? Yeah. I, just, I really want to pray for you. Yeah. Trevor's going to pray for us. Oh, wait, no, I was. <laughs> do it, do it. Just do it. <laughs> Everyone's right. waiting. All right. Okay, let's pray. Um, thank you so much, Lord, for this time that we got to spend together and learn more about you. And um, please help us all apply what we learned here today, if anything, um, in our daily lives throughout the week. And thank you for loving us and for blessing us. And in your heavenly name, amen. Amen.